Everyone, welcome to another awesome day with a struggle. I'm Sean Lee. I'm James Park. We're here to discuss the reality of daily struggles and how it's a constant no matter where we are on our journey. Join us for honest conversations as we navigate life, business, and career challenges. Learn how to accept the struggles and how it's all about the mindset. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode eight of Startup Struggles. I'm James. And I'm Sean. All right. And this is how we start our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> These are the raw moments. We're still uh, experimenting. When we look back 10 years from now, we'll be like, wow, we were so naive back then. It'll make for a good laugh. Yeah. So James, let's hit it off the ground and, and see how your week was and what your struggles were. And one of my big struggles this week was, so every day I set myself three high priority things that I want to take care of. And mm-hmm. I kind of plan it out a week in advance. And every single day I try to hit this. But I've realized over the last couple of weeks that I don't actually finish all three of them, even though I have a lot of time and it doesn't mm-hmm. take that much effort on my end to actually sit down and go after these priorities. I don't finish everything. I was trying to figure out why. And it's not because I don't have enough time. And before I always think that, oh, like I don't have time to do this. I have to do work. I have to do other things. There's other priorities. And so I began to wonder if we have set these priorities for ourselves, what is it that holds us back from actually completing it? And if I was able to do two out of three every single day, isn't that actually like pretty good? And why does it make me feel like, oh, I'm not doing it enough? Yeah. Right off the bat, I don't know if it's because of my recent burnout that I stopped caring. <laughs> like, <laughs> if I set three tasks and I don't do all three, I just do two of them. Like, I just don't care or I just don't beat myself as much for it. But before we even go into that, one of the things that I remember in the productivity class I took at Berkeley was that the word priority should be singular in the first place, right? How could you have multiple priorities? <laughs> that was the the logic. I mean, I can think of ways to have multiple priorities. I have a priority for my family. I have a priority for my work and whatnots. But, but I think for one area of your life, I think that's what they meant was that you can only have one priority. And at any moment in time, you can only have one priority because then, yeah, you have two things are priorities and what is a priority? So I thought that was right. an interesting kind of play on words that made me think a lot about just even the word priority. So yeah, why three too, right? Is it because human beings are just attracted to the number three and things that are coming threes? <laughs> I don't know, right? Top three list. That's a good point. I'm not even sure how I came up with three. So a big practice that I've also read a lot about is this ability to say no. You have to say no to things, right? And that's kind of how you define what your priority is, what you want to take care of that day. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I have a bunch of projects that I want to work on that I feel like it's not that I must, but it's just I want to do these things, right? I want to write every single day. I want to program every single day. And I want to go in this venture of using my voice as a tool. And I want to try to mm-hmm. go do that every day. So those are my around about like what, what my priorities are set around. And I yeah. should be able to do all three. But now that you, you're asking... If you have to have different priorities for different parts of your life, then picking one 
and making sure you accomplish that one thing does make a lot of sense to me. Because you often say you should have grace for yourself, right? If you do two out of three mm-hmm. things, I'm like, okay, I got two out of three things done. That should be enough to make you feel like you won the day. Yeah. And maybe that's what this professor was talking about in your Berkeley class was by setting one priority. As long as you did that one thing, yes, there are mm-hmm. secondary lists of things that you can take care of. But as long as you attack the day and got that one thing done, then it's a win and you should be proud that you're able to do that. Yeah. So I have a comment around this and then I have a question for you. My comment is, you just made me remember in my daily journal prompts, this was like three or four years ago. This was like a prompt that I found somewhere, like these lists of questions that help you write your journal, right? Because sometimes back in the day when I wrote my journal, it's just like a blank slate. I was like a little bit too blank for me. This was the last question was, if you were to get one thing done tomorrow, what would that be? Like if you're be satisfied with just getting one thing done tomorrow and I would write something and then it would be fine. (laughs) Like if I just got that one thing done and it's just setting that mindset, right? That that is your priority for the day and being okay with that. But the question I had for you was in terms of the, the third thing that you keep not getting done, is there a pattern to it? Is it something that's like recurring? Is it something that's similar or is it just random? Yeah, it's recurring. So it's it's around my voice project. And I think I diagnosed it. I think the reason why I don't do it is because the action that I've set for myself is too broad. Hmm. So the one thing I'm trying to do right now is to find, just be able to apply to one voice application on one website. And so that's the goal that yeah. I've set for myself. I just can't seem to do it. And I was every single day, I was just pushing this being like, oh, I'll do this tomorrow, I'll do this tomorrow. But I realized I was thinking about it. And like one day I really sat down. I was like, okay, why can't I do this? It's like, what are the steps I need to do to do this? I was like, oh, I have to find a website that I can apply to. Oh, I have to create a voice reel. So I, I made it even simpler. And I was like, just record one voice reel. Then once I did that, I ran into this other problem of maybe... A few weeks ago, I mentioned this. There's a lot of background noise and mouth noises that I've, I'm hearing when mm-hmm. I'm wearing like, headphones and I'm hearing it in my voice. And trying to remove that, it was so hard. And so it was really frustrating. And then even that of having to know what script to say and record was like another problem. And I was like, I don't know what to do. And then I was like, oh, I had to look for a script. And then I went into finding a script and I realized there's tons of different scripts for tons of different types of voice job applications. And so I've like just realized that this really broad, having a very broad goal is good in the sense that it gives you direction. But when you have to take steps, it's got to be dumb and simple. It can't be like research how to apply to job. It's got to be more like create first part of resume for the last job that you worked on or something like really, really simple that can give you the steps to actually take. Yeah. And I only, yeah, I discovered it just as I was like writing this article about these kind of rule of thumbs that I follow on how I I use my system and how I use these different rules kind of as lanes that keep me focused. Yeah. And one of the rules in like a tactic on why I can't complete something I wrote if you're not completing it, it's because it's too hard. Yep, that's true. 
And like, as I wrote that, and like a few days later, I was like, oh, this is too hard for me. Because I, I was trying to decide yeah. if it was, if you don't do it enough, maybe it's not a priority, right? And this kind of wanted to make me ask about how, you know, a few episodes we talked about core values and why that's important. And I wanted to try to figure out how does core values and priorities and goals and vision align? How does that all piece together? Because I think that will help you decide if something is a priority versus something that you like just don't want to do, right? Well, just on that point, so I think we did discuss this in a couple episodes prior was around procrastination, how procrastination, for me at least, and actually there are studies on this, procrastination is an emotional barrier. It has nothing to do with whether or not you want to do it or not. It's just the fact that like it feels like a mountain and you don't know where to start. Exactly what you're describing, right? It's just like, oh, apply to voice acting. Okay, there's probably a million steps in there. What's the first step to take to apply? And honestly, I struggle with this this past week. I've been struggling with something the past month now, actually, now that I think about it. What was this thing? I'll, I'll share the story with you. So we... As a startup, we have investor updates, right? <laughs> that we need to give. <laughs> and we were supposed to give an investor update last quarter for July, August, September. And that email just went out this past weekend. As of this recording, it's November 22nd today. So it's like <laughs> just a little late. Two months late. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we're already over halfway through Q4, right? And there are a couple like creative writing things that I was just really struggling and procrastinating on. And initially, my excuse was, well, as CEO of the company, like there's a million other things I need to take care of. There's Mm -hmm. PR, there's like operations, there's sales and things like that, right? Business development. But this is also very important. This is a priority for us to give our investors updates, right? And Servi, being the amazing business partner that he is, was just like, what's holding you back on this stuff, right? Because I think he was getting a little frustrated too. It was like, well, why can't we do this? Why can't yeah. you do this? And I realized, because he was like, in his head, he's like, Sean, you bang out emails. Like, you could do that in your sleep, right? Like, I just see you firing off like millions of emails to people. It's like, you could write that fine. Like, why can't you write this? And so we talked about it. And by the way, we have like these weekly one-on-ones that he set up. They're awesome. It's just between him and I, just mm-hmm. like very personal one-on-ones where we talk about personal stuff or work stuff, just like, being open to each other and not being a business, a co-founder sort of thing, just being humans to each other. And so we're just like trying to diagnose this very openly, non-critical. And what I realized was it was, I was procrastinating because it felt like an emotional barrier for me to write this kind of stuff. And it felt like an emotional barrier because this is creative writing, right? This is not tactical writing, like writing an email. Mm. Anything creative I will invest a lot of time into it. I'll invest research time, I'll invest thinking time, then I'll write it, right? And what I had learned, not unintentionally, but not to my awareness, was that every time I wrote something creatively in the past six months, Servi would then, like I would do the first draft, right? But then he would come in and kind of, not tear it apart, but he would give his feedback. And sometimes I had to defend my decisions on why I wrote this thing this way. Right, let's mm-hmm. say like a like sales copy or something. It's all creative copy, in my opinion. And I just felt like it was just emotionally to a have to spend all this time doing this, and then have to defend myself as to why I wrote it this way. Right. Versus thinking like, hey, like 
Survey, if you have a strong opinion about this, why don't we just sit down and write this together? Like, why am I taking the first crack when you're going to spend even more time like changing it up? Let's just work on this together. And we didn't realize that we could do this. <laughs> like, because again, in our both of our heads, we thought writing is writing, right? We didn't break it up into creative writing versus tactical writing. Because tactical writing, it was just me. I could, like I said, do it with my eyes closed. But creative writing, we realized, no, like this kind of stuff, we need to do it together. And literally, we just blocked out time this week and we banged everything out. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> it was just so efficient. Why am I telling you this? I think with something as creative as, say, like voice acting or some other things in our lives, we do need an external force. We do need external help. We can't do everything ourselves. What are some ways, for example, I'm just throwing stupid ideas out, but we have a lot of friends in Hollywood. Potentially, we can introduce you to some people in the industry that you can seek as a mentee, right, under, or maybe go on Meetup and find people that are in this industry, right? Basically finding like a, a survey, like a buddy, like an accountability buddy, right? Who either can help you be a sounding board or work with you on something or just give you advice and say, hey, James, actually, you want to apply for this? These are the first three things that you should do because I've done them. And I know this is the first three things that you should do first. And then for you, it's like, oh, thank you for breaking this mountain down to a molehill so that I can start stomping on it. So that was my struggle this past month <laughs> and my learning. <laughs> we seriously just blocked out like an hour for our investor update. Just got that out. And we blocked out an hour for, we needed to write some creative copy around host read ads like for these podcast shows. We have podcast hosts that partner with us for Clever, and there is like a 30-second ad that we want them to read. I'll actually read it on this podcast because this is our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so people can hear what it was that I was struggling on. And it took a while to come up with this, like literally, I think an hour or two, but it goes like this. Hello, Startup Struggle fans. We have a favor to ask. We are looking for super fans of the show who are willing to help us highlight interesting moments within each episode as you listen. We're also looking for two super fans to help moderate our podcast. If you're interested, please shoot us an email at team at clever.fm. So as an example, that was actually the first draft that I wrote. And I struggled on that for like a week. It took me a week to write that. Sounds good though. It sounds good, but it's like not compared to what we got to next when we actually worked on this together. And this is what we ultimately sent out. Hey, Startup Struggles fans, we're looking for a few select listeners to join our inner circle. Listeners who love our show and want to help us grow. Get a Startup Struggles Verify badge or social media shout out and some limited edition merch. In addition, join a greater community of podcast power users like yourselves and gain access to exclusive perks like local meet and greets. If you're already listening on the Clever.fm app, there's a smart note link for you to click on. Otherwise, send us an email at team at Clever.fm. And like, that's it. <laughs> you know, It required the two of us to sit down together to write that out. Because again, it's not that I couldn't do it or he couldn't do it. It's that because we know there's someone else that will have a strong opinion about it, mm -hmm. that was the roadblock. It was like, I just didn't want to do it because... I didn't feel like it was an efficient use of my time. Because you knew that Serbi would have his like own opinions about what should be said? Yeah, exactly. Ah. Emotionally, I just didn't feel like it was a good use of my time to be 
investing so much time on something. Someone else could be like, why don't you just like write anything? Just write some BS. But then... Yeah, what's the point of that? What's the point of that? For me, at least. And, and so this was a huge struggle and a huge block. I'm literally procrastinating on this for two months. <laughs> I mean, writing is hard. Was it a priority, James? Like, yeah, hell yeah, it was a priority. <laughs> Updating our investors. Sure, your investors were like, what the fuck? Where is this? Yep, that is that. So yeah, think about getting some accountability partners. I think that's something I, w- I want to talk a little bit about too, because I do feel like there's a lot of, maybe not a lot of, but there's definitely some shame to feeling like you need someone to quote unquote babysit you. And this was another trick that we learned in the productivity class was how these focus sprints. I think I might've mentioned it once in a prior episode where you literally just hop on a Zoom call with someone you know. There's actually services these days for this. It doesn't even have to be someone you know. You hop on a Zoom call. At the beginning of the call, you tell them what you're going to do in the next hour. Spend five minutes telling each other what you're going to do in the next hour. And then you just hit mute and keep the video on. And then you just work for one hour. And then at the end of it, you report what you got done. And that's it. Do you still do this? I do do this. It used to be like two or three times a week. Now it's like maybe once every other week. It depends on who I get matched up with or who's available to do this. But they're called focus sprints. If you just Google it, they're actually, like I said, they're services. Now you can pay 20, 30 bucks a month and join focus sprint groups and you just get on. And it works. That's the beauty of it. And it works in the sense that you get stuff done for sure, but it might not work in the beginning just as a warning to people trying this out. And that what you'll constantly find yourself doing is overestimating what you can get done in an hour. And the advice in the class was, if you have an hour, don't plan for an hour worth of tasks. Plan for 30 minutes of tasks or 40 minutes of tasks, Mm -hmm. right? Give yourself some breathing room because you don't want to set yourself up for failure. You want to set yourself up for success. It took me a while to actually understand what that meant. (laughs) But after a while, you get the hang of it. You're like, all right, I have 40 minutes. I will set a task that I think will take me 20 minutes, but realistically, it'll probably take me like 35. Yeah. And that's why you want to build that buffer, not because you want to sit around and do nothing. But the other thing is, if you do accidentally build in too much buffer, let's say you, you're you like, hey, this task will take 20 minutes, and so I'll do two tasks within the hour. I'll do two 20-minute tasks within the hour. But then the first task only ends up taking 10 minutes. Now you you bang that out. You do the second one. You're like, I still have time. You know, Now you're on a roll. You're like, let me get a third one done. Yeah. Now, at the end of the hour, you're like, wow, I got three tasks done instead of just two, right? And again, it just works. It sounds silly because I'm a grown-ass man and you know, <laughs> it's basically you have a live accountability buddy, like a co-accountability buddy. But it works because you're also that accountability buddy for somebody else. Right. They're not babysitting you. <laughs> right. You're like working together on two separate things. Yeah. And sometimes like, again, you may not even know this person. Wow. The other good thing I have to share too is at the beginning, it is a buddy that you know. If it's someone who knows your industry, it is good for you to question each other. Let's say, James, you're like, hey, I'm going to record six audio recordings yeah. for submission this hour. And I'll be like, are you sure? Are you sure six? Are you sure you can get six done, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's good to question that. So sometimes my friend will be like, are you sure you can send 20 emails within the next hour? I'll be like, okay, you know what? Maybe I can only send out 10 because <laughs> I have to <laughs> do this and that. And then it's good to have that as well, that pushback. Yeah, I remember when we first talked, we were talking about this program that I wrote about the finding emotional analysis using like audio. And I remember you said like, oh, you should talk about that 
and like find people to actually chat with on this. And, you know, I was hesitant at first because I think a big part of it is like, I don't know if this is something I actually want to pursue. Right? I think that's also the thing with voice is maybe I'm half-hearted about voice and my programming project because I maybe deep down inside, I don't really think that it's going to lead anywhere. But I feel like once you have someone to talk about with those types of things, the other benefit of the accountability partner is that if they do question, then it actually makes you really consider what is important and what is not. Like, do you really want to do this and not? Yeah. I think that elements of just having accountability buddies or partners is huge. I still have them to this day. That's why I I think mentors and coaches exist, right? You're actually paying someone to keep you accountable to things. Yeah. I think that's the beauty of having a business partner like Servi, like we keep each other accountable on different tasks. Again, not because we're incompetent, but because frankly, like life is busy. There's a lot of things going on. And as long as there's no ill will or there's no judgment, right? Like, James, you're not getting your stuff done. Like, you're a fucking idiot. You know, you're fucking lazy. Like, as long as it's not like that. Yeah which I don't think it ever is, honestly. And if someone is like that as a friend, like, they're not a friend. (laughs) Like, you know? Yeah. If someone judges you like that, right? It's like, you don't know what my life is like. I don't know what your life is like, James, right? Like, who am I to judge why you're not getting something done? Plus, I think we're at an age now, too, where just a lot of friends are just really dependable. Like, people are truly there. Like, we're here for each other because I want you to succeed. (laughs) <laughs> like, right, if right. you succeed, it's awesome because who knows, like, it might help me succeed too, right? Right. There's just this mutual benefit to see your friends succeed. Yeah, and definitely as you get older, your group of friends does narrow down. But the ones that do stick around are the ones that you can truly celebrate with Yeah, for everything that they've accomplished. Exactly. Yeah. I always used an analogy, like, if I were to succeed, like, I want to be surrounded by other people. Like, I don't want to reach the top of the mountain by myself and look down on people. I want to be at the top of the mountain with like everybody around me. Not not everybody in the world. I know we can't fit all. It'd be so lonely at the top if you're just there alone. Exactly. And what's the point of even getting there then? Yeah, exactly. Like, hooray. Look around. There's nobody. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that's something you can explore this week and into next week because it's Thanksgiving this week. Speaking of Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. Well, so first off, one thing, you know, everyone because of Thanksgiving always does this idea of like practicing gratitude. And one of the easier things that I came up with this week was so grateful for the editing crew that takes care of our podcast. Having recorded my own voice and trying to edit it just for 15 seconds, I know that it is so hard. It must be so hard. So thank you so much for the people that do this and put it together, put in all the notes and the details and gives us title. It's incredible. Yes. Thank you very much. And I will relay that message to them as well. I hope they can actually hear this. Oh, they'll for sure hear this. I'm just really grateful. Yeah, I'm really grateful for my team, really grateful for my family and friends. Just really grateful it's 80 degrees outside (laughs) November 22nd. Yeah, we're so lucky. But Sean, one of the things that as I was thinking about this, I don't know if you do this, but when you journal, a lot of prompts that come up or one of the frequent prompts that comes up is what are you grateful for today right and i try to do this every day but 
it's not very easy every single day. And like being thankful to the editing crew was a very easy thing. And mm-hmm. like being grateful for the weather, it's easy, right? Mm-hmm. Or like thinking about, I don't know, running water. Like the magic of running water, it's incredible. It is amazing. Yeah, it really is. Like a hot water. Yeah, it's crazy. But after a while, like there are times where you're not feeling that grateful. And there are times where you're just not in the mood or maybe you're at work. And because it's Thanksgiving, it's like an exercise where you have to go around the room and say something that you're grateful for. Yeah. Which I've used that before as a tactic. But I was kind of thinking like actually how shitty that practice is. Because for people who are not in a position to be grateful, like you can sound really insincere. You just kind of have to come up with something that you're, you're like, oh, I'm thankful for like my coworker giving me help the other day, blah, blah, blah. But it can feel like a fraud, right? It can feel wrong. Yeah. So there's two issues there. I'll unbundle. One is that daily journaling, gratefulness. If you're just being thankful for like basic things like what is like the weather or just running water, it can start feeling trite. But then around the second issue, which I also think the first issue is tied to as well, is just like, what does it mean to feel or be grateful? And I think it isn't something that you can just easily come up with on the spot, honestly. I agree. It's something you have to look inwards. It's something that I actually have to meditate on. And you'll find it. When I meditate, and I meditate on gratefulness, like sometimes I'll just be like, this is like crazy, right? They're like, thank you to my grandparents for like <laughs> surviving the war or something, you know, or being educated in a certain way or like doing X, Y, Z, like moving out of the village into the city because that enabled my parents to exist and in turn me, right? Yeah. But when I go deep in meditation, I will find there's so much to be grateful for and in a very genuine, meaningful way that is meaningful to you. I like that. And so I think maybe that's what it is too about gratefulness when you do in a circle as you hear a bunch of things that may not be meaningful to you. Like you being thankful for running water, I'll be like, I resonate with that. But you being thankful for, I don't know, kimchi, I'll be like, cool. <laughs> How could you not be? Well, what? <laughs> the magical fermentation of kimchi. <laughs> it's like, but that's what I'm trying to get at is I think when it's too outwardly or shared like that and it's not relatable, it, it is it's meaningless. It feels meaningless. And so I think it's a it's very much an inward practice. I like that you're saying that it's inward. Because I think I have come up with a another way. And I don't think it starts with being positive because a lot of times when you think about being grateful, you're like, oh, I have to try to think of something positive to make me feel good. And so let me run this by you and let me see if you agree. I think a way to actually be grateful is first to take an offensive mindset. Because when I think about worrying or I think about anxiety or like fear, it's very negative, right? And it feels really defensive. And so I was thinking like, mm-hmm. If I want to try to get onto the opposite side of negativity, it's not necessarily being positive, but it's more about being on the offense. And then when I think about offensive, I think that it's like taking action, taking steps, going towards your goal, like attacking your goals, right? And so I thought like one way that you could practice gratefulness is by first breaking down what's the one thing that you can do today that brings you closer to a goal that you set for yourself. And then once you actually take that action and take that step, then you can break down what are the things that you were able to do to take that one single step. 
right? And so the example that I was thinking about is like cold calls. Cold calls is terrifying. I've only had to do it a handful of times and it's just, I cannot do it. So if you can do this easily, you have an amazing skill. Yeah, kudos to anybody. We applaud you, yeah. But for a lot of people, it's very difficult. Like maybe you set that day, it's like, I'm gonna make a cold call. What do you do? You pick up your phone, you dial, you talk to someone, but then you get rejected, right? The odds are that you're gonna get a rejection. How are you grateful for this? You took that action, but why am I grateful for this? I think then it turns into even the small things. I actually have a phone to make a phone call. I can be grateful for that. Mm -hmm. I can be grateful for having a number to actually dial. I'm grateful that someone actually picked up the phone call and I was able to talk to this person. Even though they gave me a rejection, I'm lucky that they picked up. Mm -hmm. And in the end, it's maybe I have the courage. I'm grateful to have the courage to actually be able to take this one step. And I think from there, even though none of these actions are actually bound to positivity or thinking about like something to be thankful about, I think from there you can break down these individual things and it feels like now it's something that you can actually celebrate. And from there, I think it's very genuine that you can be grateful for each of those things. What do you think? I totally agree. I totally agree because you're reminding me of something that Servi constantly reminds me of as we're building the startup is that we're not necessarily after results. That sounds weird. It sounds crazy as a startup. We are after testing hypotheses. That is our job as a startup, especially in the early stages. A negative response, not negative, but like a false response is still a response. Mm -hmm. Like this is not the thing that we expected, right? When we're testing hypotheses. The important thing is to do the actions and get responses. It's not to expect everything that we're going to test is going to pan out to be true or is going to work out in our favor. Right. And again, he's coming from an engineering standpoint, which is everything is very iterative by its nature of building. When they're building a piece of code that builds a feature, it's like they don't know if it's going to work or not, but yeah. they know by continually improving it, it's going to get better and better. And so, yeah, it's very weird to not be focused on results because it doesn't mean you should never get a result. I think the idea is you can't be too results-oriented in the early innings. That's really what it is. And I think that's why your whole offense thing is, I perfectly resonate with it. I love the sports analogy. Because, yeah, you, you have to be on the offense. You have to be active in that sense. And just know that the steps that you're taking is going to get you somewhere, ultimately. Okay. I'm glad you agree because that's what I'm going to write this week. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, sometimes like for me personally, just figuring out the steps is the hardest thing because something might be really new to me, writing an investor update or writing like sales copy. Mm -hmm. It's like, I've never done this before, at least not to my knowledge. I might've done something similar, but I can't make that connection right now. For me, it just feels like a mountain that I don't even know how to start tackling this. And sometimes just getting someone to just to work on it with you just unknots that knot and gets you going. I like that. Because oftentimes the hardest part of starting anything is just not knowing where to start. Yeah, that happens, by the way, all the time Yeah, <laughs> with me on a weekly basis. <laughs> I feel like that's just a normal thing in life. <laughs> yeah. Especially with startup. Again, if you're testing hypotheses, that means you're, it's brand new. So it's not like you can like 
look this up on Google and be like, how do I do this? Yep. I mean, I guess, yeah, like writing investor email, you can probably look that up. There's probably tons of templates. But if you're writing about something specific on a new niche that you're trying to uncover, it's going to be uncharted. And so it's going to be very difficult. Oh, by the way, we did use a template. We looked up different like investor update templates. We just looked at update emails because, you know, all of us were subscribed to different services and they had like update emails. We just copied a bunch of them in terms of their style and formatting. And rearranged what you liked. Yep. And just obviously added our own updates. But going back, I think we wanted to continue this conversation around the VTO too from two episodes ago. And you were asking earlier about my vision for the company, my vision for myself and things like that, and in turn, my core values. So I actually really want to work through this. I set my core values Mm -hmm. a year and a half ago now in this software that my buddy developed, but they accidentally wiped it. (laughs) So I lost it. I spent like half a day, I think, writing this thing up. And so I'm kind of sad that it's lost, but it's about time that I get over the fact that it's lost and do it all over again. And if you start, you might remember bits and pieces of what you had before. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to look up the list of core values and I'm going to come up with seven of my own. All right. What did we use last time? I think we used James Clear's value list, right? I don't know. I just Googled it. I found a different, this is called Soul Salt. Let's give this a shot. So Sean's core values. So for one, maybe I can borrow something that I have already started, which is the core values of Alumni FM. Nice. We have seven core values there. That makes sense. I mean, considering it's something you started, your values probably are deeply intertwined with that company. Yeah. So our seven values there are be diverse, diversity of people, culture, and thinking, be proactive, be creative, have a growth mindset, question the status quo. And by that, we mean challenge old ways of thinking regardless of hierarchy. That's something like we really value with our team members. Like, I don't care if who's managing who, but everybody has an opinion. They have a voice in our company. That was number five. Number six is experiment and embrace failure. Push people to do that. Don't be afraid to fail, basically. And then seven was be over-communicative. So that's for Alumni FM. I think for myself, to borrow from that, definitely growth mindset. Just always be learning. That's my life's motto. I think just learning makes me feel young. Aside from just drinking water (laughs) and drinking lots of water and staying healthy, for me, what makes at least the people that I've met in my life, a lot of older people, like my parents' colleagues or just older folks, like the people I felt like were the most youthful Mm -hmm. were people that never stopped learning. And I say that too, because like I remember reading, I forgot which book it was, about the fallacy of like retirement and how retirement didn't exist over 100 years ago. Yeah, Retirement was a product of the Industrial Revolution, of factory workers working nine to five. If you think back, when you were a farmer or a baker in a village, did you retire? No, you just like farmed or baked till you died. <laughs> right? <laughs> the concept of retirement exists because you were kind of a cog in a wheel. Right. Let's say you're a factory worker, you put on a door every single day. You didn't really understand the bigger picture or the meaning of your job. Unlike the baker who interacts with the customer that they're making that bread for or selling that bread to, I think it just created this environment where people were like, I need to just work and then escape this so I can retire and enjoy my life. Yeah, I totally agree. I think even that's why the education system doesn't 
work right now? Because I think it was actually built around this idea that you go to school from eight to five, you learn about something that you don't want to learn, and then you're forced into a corporate lifestyle and they sell you this idea of being a consumer. Like what you're supposed to make you happy is by buying things. And after a while of doing enough, you get to retire, go on this like magical time of, oh, enjoy the rest of your life. But yeah, which is dangerous in my opinion. I say it's dangerous because when I saw my grandma retire, she like developed Alzheimer's, she developed a lot of like health problems because like, I don't think human beings are designed to retire. Yeah. That's the idea of retirement to me is, is scary because it's like, you're going to stop doing stuff. Like, what are you going to do instead? Right. I don't think humans are designed to just work and then not work. And what I mean by work is contribute their time to something, to society, and then stop contributing. I think contribution, as we mentioned, is one of the core human needs. It's actually a very, there's a strong impetus for humans to want to contribute. And you can only contribute if you're continuing to learn. And so long story short, I don't believe in retirements. I'm going to keep learning and working until till I croak. Okay, so growth mindset is one. Is there anything else I could borrow? Creativity, I value, but not as one of my core values. Question the status quo. Not being afraid to fail? Oh, yeah. Experiment and embracing failure. That is like my life's motto, too. <laughs> yeah, knowing what you did in high school with developing websites at that time and then being an entrepreneur, starting a business, you're not afraid to fail. Or more. I'm a sucker for pain. Yeah, maybe it's that. You do enough where you're, this might sound twisted, but you're reaching for failures because you know that every single time it's a lesson Yep, and you're growing. It's not weird at all. I strongly believe I'm a pure masochist. I enjoy, <laughs> I can't say like I embrace pain, but I definitely, I seek to challenge myself. Yeah, you chase the challenges. This podcast is all about that. Yep. Like chasing the challenge. To that point, something I'm really, it's one of my core values is being open. It's like one of the things that has yet to like, really hurt me because that's always a warning right especially as an i don't know there's an asian thing or not but it's definitely a chinese thing where it's like and maybe it's a chinese thing only from the communist party where it's like you can't be too open about anything <laughs> right it's like when you live in like a autocratic regime it's like you can't really be open but for me like being open is a really important thing being transparent and i'm not saying like completely transparent about everything but I mean, this podcast is pretty transparent about our struggles, about our lives. This is something I value. Yeah. And I think the reason for it, as I'm thinking through it, it might be because I love to communicate. I love to have open communications with people because I think a lot of the, I don't think, I truly believe very strongly that a lot of the disagreements, a lot of the issues in life are centered around lack of communication or miscommunication. Mm-hmm. like wars, everything. Yeah. So it's like there was a misunderstanding somewhere, right? Yeah. Relationships with parents. You know, I coach a lot of friends on how to have better relationships with their parents. And the fundamental thing is just to have more communication with them, have more touch points with them. I mean, they're human beings. They want to communicate with you. When people are like, oh, my parents don't understand me. I was like, well, how, how often do you talk to your parents? I mean, just because they're parents doesn't mean they automatically understand what the hell you're doing with your life. Like you have to communicate with them. Right. It's just like a friend. If I don't communicate with you or with Phil, it's like, 
why would I expect you to know what the hell is going on in my life? <laughs> right. <laughs> but for some odd reason, we expect our like partners or family to be mind readers. It's like they're not. They're humans. So being open and communicative is a huge one for me. Sometimes I struggle with this stuff. When I see the words justice or integrity, I'm like, how do I not prioritize that? <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I just I prioritize something else. Humanity. That's another thing for me. But just because it's not on the list, though, doesn't mean that it's not an important thing. It's just not a pillar. That's true. It's there. It doesn't keep you afloat. Yeah. Like family. I mean, family is not, honestly, it's not my top seven. Not because I don't love my family. I spent a lot of time caring for my family. Next one's freedom. Freedom. Well, that's a good one. I'm going to put that down. I value freedom a lot. Yeah. Loyalty, not in my top seven. I find myself to be very loyal and dependable, but it's not one of my focuses. Intelligence? Nope. Connection? What about balance? Yes. Balance. Well, that's, that's good. You pick adventure. Yeah, I picked adventure. Balance. I'm going to put balance in. I like that. I might have to whittle this down. Courage? Nope. Security, kindness, compassion. Compassion. I wrote down humanity. I think that goes with compassion. Loyalty, teamwork, fitness. I feel like fitness is definitely... It's really creeping up there. I don't know if it's because I'm getting older. Hmm. And again, these things shift, definitely. I think just to make listeners aware, like these core values will change over your lifetime. Yeah. At what frequency? Who knows? Like maybe on a yearly or decade basis. Depends on what your needs are at that point in time, I think. Like right now, like family, for example. Mm -hmm. I think I have a perfect excuse and reason. Like I have great relationships with all my family members, from my own parents, my sibling, to my wife, to my in-laws. I invest a lot of time in, in them the past decade or so, and it's not one of my core values right now. Maybe the core values thing is like a priority thing. Well, maybe it was <laughs> your core value like subconsciously without you knowing on it, right? And then you worked on it for a decade, and after a while, it's just become a part of you so that it doesn't have to be on your list as like a reminder of who you are. Yeah. Connection, communication, relationship, creativity, learning. I already have that knowledge humanity, excellence, no patience, success. It's funny, like when I read the word excellence, I'm like, oh, should I have that? Nope, doesn't resonate with me. Patience, success, innovation. Patience was one of my core values before. Probably it's like number eight or nine now. Respect, quality, prosperity, invention, commonality, wellness, diversity, contributing, finances, generosity, spiritualism, gratitude, integrity, strength, grace, finesse, entertain endurance love wealth facilitation grace that's an interesting one love wealth facilitation openness speed effectiveness religion power fun order affection fame advancement cooperation justice respect love of career appreciation while wow, there's so many yeah this list is really long you talk about grace a lot but i think grace actually might be able to be linked with balance mm, i like that yeah, when you talk a lot about giving yourself grace, it's because you understand the importance of a balance in your life from work, professional life. That might also might feed into the compassion too, and the humanity. Yeah. Charisma, goodness, self-respect, involvement, abundance, faith, leadership, renewal, enjoyment, entrepreneurial, caring, be true, happiness, personal development, contentment, harmony, this too shall pass, attitude, friendship, and peace. Okay, I think I got it. All right, so the seven I have right now at this stage in my life, 
as of November 22nd, 2021, at the tender age of 36. My seven core values are learning, always be learning, having a growth mindset. Number two, experimentation, embracing failure. Number three, being open and communicative. Number four, having humanity, compassion, and grace for not only others, but for myself. Number five, freedom. Number six, balance. Balance. I have to think more about that one. But definitely fitness and wellness. Yeah, I was thinking also like balance and, okay, so when I, I look at this list, I think of, I look at freedom, balance, fitness, and wellness. And I think balance can kind of fit underneath fitness and wellness in a sense that balance is a, it's not only a mental thing, but it can also be a physical thing where you are not sitting in front of your computer every single day, like working or watching TV or playing video games, but also having the balance of like physical activity. Yeah. Going outside, working on your body. Maybe even it's like a balance between physical and mental growth. I think there's one, I know what my last one is, and I skipped it by accident. The last one is fun. Fun? Yeah. Just having fun. It's a good outlook in life. Being light-hearted, that's a little bit into gratitude and things like that. Just like really having fun with life because that's why we live. So that's my seven. Wow, I love it. I like it. It really resonates with me. I like the fitness wellness balance because that is a huge part of me. And I think it also builds into freedom in the sense that like having good health allows me to work effectively and have the physicality to go do things and enjoy myself and have fun. Yeah. Nice. Now the next steps for both of us is to figure out how these core values link into our goals and a vision for ourselves. Yeah. And we will work on that next week. Next week. Yeah. So really want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving and enjoy your weeks. Thanks everyone. Thank you.